Hey everyone, it is Grant Winsauer here, and it's time to nerd out here on the Nerd, nerd Football Podcast. I am here with my good friend, Jack Rohde. Say hi to the folks, Jack. Hey guys, hope you all are doing well. Super happy to be here with Grant. Thanks and again for inviting me. Thanks for coming on, I really appreciate it. Um, so, uh, we got a little bit of sad news here from the f- football world, even though it's very small. Uh, Carl Weathers, who was um, very well known for playing... Um, Apollo Creed, um, in the Rocky films, passed away on Thursday, February 1st. For those of you who don't know, he actually was an undrafted free agent for the Raiders when he, before he became an actor. So that's a little bit of, uh, sad football world news, but, uh, thank you for Rocky, uh, Carl. I, we will all miss you, and, uh, Hope you're uh, living it up there. So today we will be giving our opinions on all of the Bears staff hires that they recently made, and then we're going to give our opinion on the Super Bowl rematch, and then we'll finally give our opinions on the final two head coaching hires that uh, the Commanders and Seahawks made this past week. So, starting with our OC for the Bears, Shane Waldron which I am really happy with. Um, he recently worked with um, the Seattle Seahawks, who um, fired uh, Pete Carroll. So he definitely comes from a good background, but that's not the best part. He learned from Sean McVay and Bill Belichick also. So that's a huge, huge part to his success, so I hope it translates to the Bears. What's your thoughts on that, Jack? Now, look, I've seen a lot of Seahawks fans on Twitter, or X, whatever you want to call it. Twitter. Twitter, I agree. Uh, Seemingly happy that Shane Waldron has moved on, which I find a little weird coming from the fact that he led the 11th rate total offense last year for the Seahawks with a mediocre at best offensive line as well as injuries to both running backs and Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet and a while resurgent a quarterback in Geno Smith who many two years ago did not think would be having the success he's had under Waldron so anytime you can get an offensive coordinator who was not fired for bad performance but rather let loose due to the firing of Pete Carroll I'm really excited to see what he can bring to the Bears' offense. I completely agree. And I will admit, a part of me wants um, this hire to be for Justin. But from what we've probably all seen on Twitter, most likely it's leading to for Caleb. Which I will still get behind because I'm a uh, Bears fan and Justin Fields fan. So wherever Justin goes, I will also cheer for him, but I will also cheer for my Bears. So, um, next we hired, um, Kerry Joseph, uh, the assistant QB coach in Seattle. So the good thing is he, uh, knows Waldron's system and it made sense, um, that he came over from Seattle because every Seattle coach was basically available. Um, and usually when a um, 
offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator gets hired, they take people from their previous staff to come along with them. So I'm really happy with this. And he also helped uh, revive Justin or Geno Smith's career. So I think that's going to help as well. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm just interested to see not only how Kerry Joseph can help either develop Caleb Williams or Justin Fields, but also someone he used to work with, Dave Canales, who you mentioned on your last podcast, getting hired by the Panthers. I think it'll be interesting to see how both those coaches who helped revive the career of Geno Smith are able to do with their new jobs with Mm -hmm. two very young quarterbacks in Bryce Young and then either, as I mentioned, Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. Yeah, yeah. The next hire we made was at uh, running backs coach Chad Morton. Morton, like um, Kerry Joseph, has ties to offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. They worked together the last three years in Seattle, but his coaching journey um, started uh, out a little bit bit differently. He he was a he was a former running back. Um, and then began his career coaching with the Green Bay Packers, which, um, as a Bear fan, I hate to mention, but it's important to mention where he started his career. So there you go, Packer fans. Um, he joined the Seattle Seahawks in a um, special teams uh, assistant uh, role uh, in 2015. And then in 2017, he was promoted to running backs coach and um, then helped develop Kenneth Walker and most recently um, Zach Charbonnet. Um, what's your thoughts on that hire? Um, to be honest, I think you're a little bit more educated than me on this one. I don't know too much about Morton, but I will say... I have been impressed with both how Charbonnet and Walker have performed, and I think with our offensive line continuing to come together with Tevin Jenkins really coming into his own at the guard spot and two young tackles in uh, Darnell Wright and uh, Braxton, I think that if he is able to get our running backs, whether we stick with Herbert and Roshan for another year or we draft a younger running back in the later rounds this year, I'm really happy to see what he'll be able to do. And if we end up keeping Justin, how he can help those running backs play off of Fields' running ability himself. I agree. And I have two thi- two things to say on that. So um, the one thing that I like about our, our offensive line is the fact that um, people say that we have such a bad offensive line, but in reality, when you look at it, we're really only a center away. And, and I think we can either get one in free agency or through the draft because there are, there are going to be good ones available because the teams that have, um, like, well-offensive, well-progressed offensive lines, they also have um, productive players at the, um, at the skill positions that are up for contracts right now. So teams will need to spend money on them before prioritizing the offensive line. So there should be a good center available either... Uh, for you to see or the draft. The draft is going to be a little harder because uh, the Bears, as of right now, don't have a second-round draft pick. But I think we'll get one, whether that's from a trade back from number one or, sadly, a trade from Justin Fields. 
Um, my second point is, <clears throat> you mentioned how we could draft a running back. The best part about running backs is you can get them anywhere in the draft, and they are, they will be productive. So, I, I mean, you could get one in the fourth or fifth round and it'd still be a starter. I agree. <clears throat> this one was kind of a shock to me. Um, the Bears hired Thomas Brown as their passing game coordinator, which um, he got um, head coaching job interviews and also other offensive coordinator uh, interviews. So I'm really wondering like why he took the passing game coordinator option. I mean, of course, it, it would make sense to if it, if, it, if it was for Caleb, but like if you had the chance to call your own offense that was better than um, the Panthers, because let's be real here, the Panthers had no offensive weapons besides Bryce Young, so yes, they offer, they had the worst yards per game, but that's because they had no one on offense. Yeah, shout out Panthers for giving us DJ Moore, but I definitely agree with you there. This was one of the hires that really stuck out to me, just because, as you mentioned, Thomas Brown last year around this time in this cycle was hand-selected by Frank Reich, the short-lived coach of the Panthers, to be his new offensive coordinator. And even with the Panthers' offense struggling, I did see a post that the players voted on who they believe the top offensive coordinators in the league were, and Thomas Brown was top five. So he garners a lot of respect from players, and I think that's good that he has another chance to learn under Shane Waldron. Both guys are from the McVay tree. And I think this could be a really interesting hire. And if Waldron has a great year and decides to move on and we keep Eberflus for another year, Thomas Brown could easily slide into that offensive coordinator role, which I'm really excited about. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think I think um, Waldron was number one or two on that list. Yeah. Both guys were very highly guarded by yes. their former players. And that's, that's because of the fact of who they learned from. Because when you think about it, uh, Sean McVay... Bill Belichick and um, Pete Carroll, well, all guys that these guys have learned from, have always been top head coaches and know how to run a team and know how to coach people. So I'm very happy that we actually took our time with all of these hires instead of just, uh, just making unorthodox decisions and um, having a New Yorker staff this time. I'm very happy with this staff so far. I 100% agree with you. <clears throat> the next hire we made was Chris Beatty, the wide receiver coach from the Los Angeles Chargers. And this one is a really good one for me because um, Beatty worked with um, DJ Moore in uh, Maryland when he was a college coach. Now, Chris Beebe, it's worth noting that he primarily coached in college, but still, 26 years of experience is plenty of, uh, plenty of different uh, types of receivers. And he helped, he worked with uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen uh, previously in Los Angeles, so he'll get to work with um, DJ, Tyler Scott, and probably a couple of rookies. Um, next year and i'm really excited to see how that's going how that's going to go what's your take on that yeah i'm not gonna lie when you first 
sent me the article about our hiring of BD, I was a little bit, call it casual football fan, call it recency bias, a little bit surprised just because of the failing of Quentin Johnston last year as a rookie sure. wide receiver under BD. But the more you dig into him and the more you see just how many years he has of experience, how many different guys he's worked with, the different schemes, I'm confident that he'll be able to tailor what he does with this wide receiver group to what Waldron and what Thomas Brown want to do with the offense as far as the passing game. So I'm excited. He's got a lot of experience with young guys, which is a lot of what the wide receiver room is going to look like next year for the Bears. So I think it should be a good challenge for him, and I'm excited to see how the wide receivers turn out next year. And it's also worth noting that he did coach uh, Percy Harvin in high school. So uh, a very uh, well-known deep threat in his Viking years, uh, which is where I personally know him most from. Um, So, you know, hopefully we'll get you know, deep threat either in free agency or through the draft, but I think uh, I think this is going to work out well. Um, so on the defensive side of the ball, we hired uh, Eric Washington to be our defensive coordinator. Now this one kind of was a little weird to me because if you, if the head coach, Andy Luce personally calls the uh, defensive head, uh, plays, why would you hire a defensive coordinator? But I will admit I am very excited about this because Eric Washington uh, specializes in D-line development. And we have a couple of rookies along the defensive line like uh, Jervon Dexter and Zach Pickens who, who recently at the end of the year kind of came, came into their own um, but with a, with a um, coach that specializes in D-line. I think that'll definitely help um, their development, and we'll probably have to take um, a couple of uh, rookies in this draft, and to have a guy that specialized in the D-line, that's going to help a lot, because that was our weakest spot on defense last last year. So. Yeah, and I think you can even send that out the last two years, really. I mean, anybody who watches the Bears as much as we do knows that our bugaboo on defense really has been getting after the quarterback. Two years mm-hmm. ago, our leader in sacks was a rookie safety, Jaquan Brisker. And this year, shout out Montez Sweat for how great he is. Yes. But you should never really have your leading sack total be from a guy who came over at the trade deadline. In the and, middle of the year. Yeah, in the middle of the year. And obviously incredible what a season he had leading two different franchises and sacks never been done before mm-hmm. but i really do think that this offseason the bears will add someone whether it be the draft or free agency at the other edge spot and i think having sweat in place and now having eric washington there we should see a lot of improvement for the from the bears defensive line getting to the quarterback and as we saw towards the end of last year our defensive secondary has a very good knack for creating turnovers, and I think that'll only increase as Eberflus gets another year under his belt calling the defense and with more pressure coming from the defensive line. I can also say that that I agree with what you said about how we're probably going to get someone in the in the draft of free agency to pair along with Bonta Sweat because, because I feel like the reason that he was so successful um, the la- during the last... Uh, the second half of the season last year was because no one that the Bears played could really prepare for him because they had no tape of him in our system. And but now that that you know he they have those like seven or eight games that they could watch and 
and figure out how to stop him. But, and if you only had him on the defensive line, you know, you'd give your quarterback more time. But if you, um, sign someone like, um, I'm trying to think of the guy from, from the Dolphins, uh, Christian Wilkins, um, if you sign him in free agency, if he makes it to free agency, I mean, you'd have to plan for both of them. And, you know, you can't really double-team two edges at the same time, so... Yeah, I mean, you see it happen a lot with T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward on the mm-hmm. defensive line with the Pitts, with the Steelers. You can't double them both. One of them's going to break free. And then you also see kind of the reverse end of it, even though he is so dominant. Miles Garrett doesn't have a true running mate alongside him sure. in Cleveland, and he faces an incredible amount of double teams. You've seen it for years with Aaron Donald. So just getting somebody else to take a little bit of pressure off sweat, I think, is huge for us this offseason. Yes, and that's... And I'm not against necessarily drafting a, a rookie, because because with Eric Washington, it would definitely be helpful to have him as the teacher if he was if we were to draft draft a rookie. But if you if you can go into the off season and just uh, sign someone r- rather than draft someone, b- because if if we went to draft someone, you would have to. Um, Montez Sweat would basically have to teach him how how to do it in the NFL. But if you sign someone like Christian Wilkins, Wilkins just walks into the door and, and meets Montez Sweat and says, let's do this. Like, let's go. Like, so, I mean, that's why I'm leaning toward getting someone in free agency rather than the draft. Yeah, 100%. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so the final two um, head coaching hires were made uh, this past week. Uh, The one that made a lot more sense to me was uh, Mike McDonald, uh, who was the defensive coordinator for um, uh, the Ravens. So he's going to succeed Pete Carroll. And the the coolest thing about that is they went the bit... uh, Seahawks went from having the oldest head coach to having the youngest head coach, and he's gonna ha- and McDonald is gonna just gonna be able to really do well with uh, with the pieces on defense that he has there in uh, in Seattle, and I am really excited to see what he does there. Now, the one that a lot of people were second guessing is the fact that uh, the Commanders um, hired Dan Quinn as their head coach. Um, and the reason for that is because I think they put all of their eggs in uh, the Ben Johnson basket. He was the um, offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, and he decided to um, go back to uh, uh, the Lions for another year. So the, uh, the commanders basically had no choice. And my question is, how good of a staff will Dan Quinn put together because of the fact he was hired so late. Yeah, I totally agree. Starting with the uh, Mike McDonald hire, I agree with you. I think it's a great hire. Even though both these guys are defensive guys, they couldn't be much more different from each other if they tried. Like you mentioned, uh, Mike McDonald now becomes the youngest coach in the NFL, and he goes to Seattle, where I already previously mentioned they had the 11th ranked total offense last year, which is good enough, especially on the NFC, to be able to make the playoffs. 
However, they had a bottom five defense, even though they have a lot of young talent, mm-hmm. especially at the cornerback position with, uh, oh, geez, I'm blanking on their names, uh, Witherspoon and Tariq Woolen. And I'd be really interested to see what he can do this year for the defense. And I think that as long as their offensive production stays somewhat similar to last year, they should definitely be able to snag a wild card spot in the NFC. And as for the hiring of Dan Quinn, I think I 100% agree with you that they were definitely going very hard after Ben Johnson. And the way that kind of fizzled out was very weird. You saw the reports from Adam Schefter about Ben Johnson notifying the Lions he would stay with them as the commander's team officials were on the way to Detroit to speak with him. And just struck me as a little weird. I don't think Dan Quinn is as bad of a hire as a lot of people are saying. I think he's someone who's won the NFC before. Granted, he did that with Kyle Shanahan as offensive coordinator, and we all know how that Super Bowl ended with his defense. Mm -hmm. But he has, despite the way that the Cowboys season ended this year helped the Cowboys rejuvenate their defense to where it's a top five unit in the league. When we all remember a couple years ago when Dak went on that crazy three or four game stretch to start the season and the Cowboys were one and three just because they couldn't stop you or me on the football field. So I think it'll be curious, like you said, to see how Quinn puts together his staff because he'll obviously need a lot of great offensive minds because they're probably going to be working with a rookie quarterback. But all in all, I don't think either hire is terrible, and I guess we'll see how they go. With that being said, on the fact that I that I think uh, Dan Quinn was probably one of the worst hires in this cycle, um, the thing he does have going for him is the fact that he was a head coach in the past, so he so he definitely has experience there, so that will help him. But like like we've said, you know, with with how late he was hired, the, st- the staff that he's going to put together is going to be the question, because because all of the like top-notch people that you could have on offense for your staff have been hired, um, and when you're basically guaranteeing the fact that you um, dr- are drafting a quarterback with the number two spot in the draft. You need to give that quarterback a guy that is well-known for developing people. But with that said, I did see a report today that Cliff Kingsbury backed out of the Raiders' offensive coordinator job, and he is now in consideration for the Commander's offensive coordinator job. So that could... um, That could... Uh, give the commanders more Caleb Williams um, debate. Yeah, for sure. Kind of just jumping off of that, I also saw a report this morning, just who knows how accurate these reports ever are, but just a exactly. pot- potential trade package, what the commanders would have to give up to move from two to one to get Caleb. And I saw they were saying that it would take the Bears giving up, obviously, number one, and then this year's fourth in return for the number two overall pick. Deron Payne, the commander's second overall pick, or the commander's second round pick, I should say, which obviously sits near the top of the second round, Mm -hmm. which would put us potentially in position for a center such as Jackson Powers Johnson. Which would be great. Would be great. And then uh, also the commander's first round pick next year. I think I did hear that. Yeah. So that would just be interesting to see 
if that's what it would take to move up from two to one, I can only imagine what the other trade packages for teams such as the Broncos and Raiders, who have also been talking about moving up from their spots in the mid to late teens in the draft, up all the way up to number one. So it'll be an interesting next couple of months for Bears fans. But that's the thing that sucks. We're probably going to have to wait that long to find out. I know. Okay, so we have a we have a rematch in Super Bowl 58. Um, in Super Bowl 54, the Chiefs took on the 49ers and ultimately won that game. This is hard for me because as much as I want to say that the, that I want that I know the 49ers are going to win, when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback you always have a chance, because I know that he lost Tyreek Hill and stuff, but Patrick Mahomes is such a great quarterback that he could make, hypothetically, a Terrell Owens that is 38 years old look like an like a average receiver in the league right now. I mean, because, he, because Patrick Mahomes is so great. So I don't... This is going to be a hard game for me to call, but but I personally think the 49ers will win because they they have the um the memory of losing to Patrick Mahomes in the last quarter, the last time that they played. What's your what's your take on that? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting matchup. Just I don't think people realize how different this is from the last time they met. I was reading a lot about how both these two teams are actually the top two teams in yak after the yards after the catch mm-hmm. for people who don't know what yak is but conversely the 49ers are actually the top team this year in pass in air yards per passing attempt where the chiefs are dead last and this is completely contrasting the last time these two teams met when the quarterbacks were once again Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo but as you mentioned no more Tyree Kill no more even Juju Smith-Schuster from last year the chiefs have really turned into a short passing game offense, which credits Andy Reid with the personnel they have this year. They're pounding the rock a little bit more, getting the guys the ball in space. Their rookie, Rasheed Rice, has really impressed me. Yes, he has. And I will agree on that. the 49ers, on the other hand, people love to say Brock Purdy's a game manager, which, sure, in some regard he is, but he is throwing the ball down the field. And their offenses are very, very different than the last time they met. And Hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. It always will be, especially with how their defenses play this year. So I think I might have to go opposite you here, and I think the Chiefs are going to pull this one out, and I think we need to start talking about where this dynasty might start stacking up against other great dynasties in NFL history, specifically the Patriots of Belichick and Brady. I mean, they'd be halfway to what their ring total was, and this is only Mahomes' sixth full year starting, so it's pretty incredible. Yeah, and and I have to say, I hate the term game manager when I hear it after after Brock Purdy's name because because I when I look when I look at the team that surrounds him you have Christian McCaffrey you have Debo Samuel who who could basically play any position that catches the ball he could play running back he could play receiver he could play and it might be a stretch to say he could play tight end but as long as he's catching the ball he will get you 10 yards. I mean, the dude is a beast. I would love to have him on Bears, but you know, that's not going to happen for without, you know, giving the 49ers like 
a boatload of draft picks. Yeah, and I think the one thing that might be a little bit underrated that won't get talked about just because it's not the uh, sexy thing to talk about per se, the kicking matchup in this one. Harrison Butker, been there, done that. Obviously, this game's being played in Las Vegas. The weather should be nice. That shouldn't affect it too much. But we've seen the 49ers a couple times this year. They lost to the Browns in Cleveland because of a Jake Moody missed field goal. Jake Moody missed a field goal either last week or against the Packers, I believe. And I think this will be a tight game and not as high scoring as some people think. And I think it could come down to a missed field goal or two. So keep an eye on that one as we watch the game next Sunday. Oh, God. I hope it's not a, a, a game like uh, like the, the Rams and Falcons. Or Rams and Patriots. Thank you, Rams yeah. and Patriots. I'm sorry. But that... I watched that game and went into that game and thought that the um, the Rams would run over the Patriots. Granted, they had Tom Brady, so you know, you, just like Patrick Mahomes, never never bet against Tom Brady. But but you know, the the game was what like a twelve to. I think it was thirteen three final. Thirteen three score, and up until that game, the Rams scored at least 20 points in every game. I mean, yeah, that was the same year they had that crazy Monday night battle with, uh, with the, the Chiefs, Chiefs and Mahomes, who, and that would have been the Super Bowl rematch had D. Ford not lined up just a couple yards off sides against the Patriots yes. in the AFC Championship game, which a lot of people forget about. I think if that went the other way, we're having even more serious talks about Mahomes versus Brady, because that takes a ring away from Brady, gives Mahomes another chance yes, at one, does. and he beats him in their first ever playoff matchup. Obviously, that's a hypothetical. Didn't happen. D4 did line up offsides, but just something I think people start to talk about more as these debates get more serious and all the sports talking heads try and make their crazy hot takes to claim it one way or another. But if if anyone if 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 anyone knows like the passing of the torch trend like on TikTok Tom Brady definitely passed the torch to um, to Patrick Mahomes, and it makes too much sense. Yeah. I mean, you could say that there there is a little bit of argument to um, Brock Purdy because he because Brock Purdy almost went undrafted, and and Patrick er, and Tom Brady was a sixth round draft pick, but Patrick Mahomes is almost halfway to the amount of rings that Tom Brady has, and the dude is. Is still in his prime. He's got at least 10 years left. Oh, yeah, he's 28. I mean, obviously a little bit of a different play style from Tom Brady where he's a little bit more mobile in the pocket, changing his angles on his throws, changing platforms. But I think as he gets a little bit older and settles into that, there's no reason why Mahomes, if he wants to, couldn't play till at least 40. I won't say 45 like Brady because no one's Brady, but yeah, you never know. I think I think this might be a good thing to end on. So, so... I got I so Bill Belichick didn't get a job this past uh, this 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 coaching cycle, but people have said that there's a chance that um, Andy Reid could retire if he wins the Super Bowl. Could you do you think if Andy Reid retires, do you think they give Bill Belichick a call? I mean, maybe they give him a call, maybe they don't. I'm not really sure. Something tells me Belichick obviously wants to keep coaching. He wants to catch and break Don Shula's record exactly. for most wins. Exactly. But I'm just not sure what team is going to give him that opportunity. I mean, let's face it, he's getting a little bit older. 
his ways worked when his team was great, the Belichick way, the Patriots way, discipline and all that. But you've heard a lot of players sort of start to come out recently and say not so great things about him. Marlon Humphrey, who obviously was never coached by him, said something on Twitter the other day about how he didn't get a job. This is who you guys say is the greatest coach ever, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I think that's not true. You can't just say it was all Brady. There's been a lot of playoffs runs the Patriots won where it was 100% the defense. Brady did what he needed to do, but there's no way you can say Brady's the reason they won. So I think it'll take a special opportunity for Belichick to get another job. I don't know where that'll be, but you do bring up an interesting point. I mean, if Andy Reid were to move on, what better guy to take over from someone as experienced as him with his great playoff expertise as him than Bill Belichick? I think a part of it, why didn't why uh, Belichick didn't get a job um, this cycle was the fact that um, like Jim Harbaugh with the um, the Chargers, I think Bill Belichick wants full control and full choice on who he drafts and doesn't want the GM to have a say in that. Now, the thing that's a little different with Jim, Jim Harbaugh, at least he has the team hire a GM because when Brady, when Belichick was the coach for the Patriots, he was also the GM. So that was just, everything was up to him. And it was his choice. No one else's. Yeah, and I mean, looking back on it, the second he did become the GM, you look back at some of their draft picks and you just shake your head. I mean, Cole Strange in the first round mm-hmm. a few years ago, uh, the wide receiver from Arizona State, what was his name? Big guy, came to the Bears after. Uh, Nikhil Harry. Harry. Yeah. Harry. People thought he would be great. I mean, weird trends with drafting for him and i think he's definitely partially to blame for the patriots downfall just because they didn't have that replenishing of talent coming in they missed on a lot of draft picks the last couple years especially mac jones i mean mac jones great in college with two potential heisman winning wide receivers but you throw him in the league where his best wide receivers this year were pop douglas and a semi-injured juju smith schuster most of the year i mean changes the factors a little bit if yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a world where you, it's never a good idea to just let one person have control. You you should at least have someone to give you advice on who to draft because because when you mentioned the Nikhil Harry thing, I mean there were tons of receivers that were that are in the league now that are. 10 times better than him, uh, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, um, um, who else? Uh, I'm naming people that were in that draft. Um, you know, there's plenty of people that are in the league, but I want to use people from that draft as an example. So those are like the two top people. Was Devo was in that draft? Ooh, you're putting me on the spot here. I'm not 100% sure, but there was definitely other guys drafted after him who have had that a much higher, bigger yes. impact than Nikhil Harry has ever had in any team in the league. Yes, I agree. Um, well, uh, I think that's going to be our show for today. Uh, thanks, Jack, for coming on. I appreciate that you uh, were willing to come on in such short notice. I uh, I uh, enjoyed our talk today, and, and you know... Um, I hope you uh, help me out with uh, 
figuring out some topics to talk about in the future, whether they're on the show or whether I'm talking about it with some other people that join the show, whether that's in person or via phone call. Um, and that's uh, the Football Nerd Podcast for today. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed listening and, and have a great uh, have a great week. See you next week. <laughs>